Blog Talk Radio. in the desert speaking hope and freedom to Iran. I'm your host, Randy L. Noble, and once again, I want to say a big thank you to all of you who've taken time out of your busy life to join me today on my podcast. Today is Thursday, February 8th, 2024. This month, I've been taking us back to the implementation of the cancer in the Middle East that has destroyed the freedom of all Iranian people, and that is the Islamic Republic of Iran. It was on February 1st, 1979, after the Shah, the Pahlavi dynasty, came to an end, and the Ayatollah Khomeini returned from exile in Paris to be greeted by millions of deceived Iranians thinking, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. But it was the Ayatollah Khomeini who marched in on February 1st, and by February 11th, the Islamic Republic of Iran had been officially created. Forty-five years of bloodshed, destruction, deception, and no freedom from the cradle to the grave. And as I said uh, a few days ago on my program, will this be the last anniversary can we actually look back at the end of this year and say this will be the last time we have to even hear Iran celebrating 45 years of the Islamic Republic will this be the last anniversary I am hoping and praying that that will be the case I want to talk to us today from an excellent article written by my dear Iranian friend, Marzia Amarazadeh. And she has put together its book length, but it is so well-structured. I want to talk to us about her observations on the Iranian regime, the malignancy that has to be dealt with. The title of my program is The Iranian Regime, A Cancer that must be removed. When Donald Trump was president, we had the Abraham Accords. We had peace and stability in the Middle East. President Trump knew exactly 
how to reach out to the true Iranian people that needed his voice, and he assured them that the world was watching and that he had things under control. And after he took out Soleimani in January of 2020, he made it very clear to the Iranian regime that he would not tolerate any attacks on our people. We've had over 200 drone attacks, and just recently, three servicemen killed by the Houthis, which, by the way, is all part of Iranian regime's tentacles. And Biden has responded. There has been some strikes back. But again, this policy of appeasement is enabling this cancerous regime to grow, to spread, and to multiply, and there has to be an end of it. And you might ask yourself the simple question this morning, how has Iran been able to reach out to Hamas and, and continue their terrorism in the Middle East, oppressing Israel, bent on the destruction of Israel? Well, this morning I want us to be a little educated on this subject, and this is an explanation of how the Iranian regime has been working with Hamas to accomplish their goals and spread terrorism in the Middle East. Let's listen. What's the connection between the Iranian regime and Hamas in Gaza? Iran and Hamas's partnership began in the 90s when the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps taught Hamas officials how to build and use suicide belts to kill Israelis throughout the first and second intifadas. As Hamas gained prominence as a terrorist organization, Iran began sending them $50 million a year. After Israel withdrew from Gaza in 2005, Hamas started sending their fighters to Iran for training in field tactics and weapons technology. In 2008, Hamas upgraded their homemade short-range rockets to Iranian-made rad rockets that enabled them to hit Israeli cities over 20 miles away from Gaza for the first time. By the next escalation in 2012, Hamas was launching long-range Iranian Fajr 5 rockets at Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. In 2014, Iran was caught shipping weapons directly to Hamas in Gaza on the infamous Cloth Sea. On board were 40 Syrian-made rockets, 181 mortar shells, and about 400,000 bullets, all hidden among bags of cement and clearly marked with Iranian labels. In addition to using ships, Iran also regularly smuggled weapons to Hamas on cargo planes, trucks, and through Hamas's underground tunnel system. Operation Protective Edge saw Hamas continuing to fire Iranian-made rockets at Israel, as well as Hamas's debut of drones and UAVs that originated in Iran. Over the next several years, Hamas continued to develop three main types of drones based on the Iranian Sarir 110, drone for reconnaissance, drone for dropping explosives, and suicide drones. In 2017, Iran upped its support for Hamas to about $100 million a year. And as smuggling became more difficult, Iran began training Hamas to produce high-quality weapons locally, the teach a man to fish strategy. Members of Hamas's Nukba Special Forces Unit traveled to Iran for training by the IRGC and returned to Gaza to train others. After 11 days of non-stop rocket attacks across Israel in 2021, unprecedented in quantity and in range, Hamas leaders publicly thanked Iran once again for helping them build up their massive arsenal. And finally, just weeks before Hamas's invasion of Israel and massacre on October 7, 2023, hundreds of Hamas terrorists received special training in Iran. The drones Hamas built with Iranian help played a key role in the early hours of their invasion. Iran had recently increased their funding to a whopping $350 million. Sheikh Al-Raisi Iran 
Hamas has been terrorizing millions of Israeli civilians for 36 years, and their rule over Gaza has enabled Iran to maintain a presence directly on Israel's border. The Hamas-Iran alliance is just one part of Iran's axis of terror and ongoing attempts to destabilize the Western world. guarantee you none of this stuff would be going on if Trump had been president. This appeasement policy has caused this cancerous tumor to grow. I want to feature a very, very important article, as I mentioned, written by my dear Iranian friend who spent almost a year in Evan prison on death row for distributing Bibles in 2009. And it was a miracle of God that got Marzia and her best friend Miriam death row and out of the country and here to the United States. And so I, I, she has an incredible talent, uh, a, a very strong voice. And the article that I'm going to be reading for from this morning was published on All Arab News. It's called A Cure for the Islamic Regime Malignancy. Now, I, I warn you in advance, it's long, but every word is so important to understand what we're up against, what we need to do, and why this regime is a cancer that must be removed. Iranians, Jews, Christians, and even Muslims around the world are suffering from a malignant cancer for decades. The name of this malignancy is the Islamic Republic, which first appeared in Iran in 1979. A fanatic Muslim, Ayatollah Khomeini, and his radical followers infected a whole country, taking all Iranians hostage for 45 years and spreading their illness all over the world. Well, how did this Islamic Republic cancer begin? What are its symptoms? How does this lethal cancer grow? And what is its treatment? Well, a cancer, as you well know, starts with changes in the cell or a small group of cells. The cells start to grow, multiply, and they can form a lump called a tumor. The malignant and deadly Islamic Republic cancer appeared for the first time in Iran on February 1st, 1979. Folks, that's 45 years ago. Ayatollah Khomeini, a fanatic Muslim, returned to Iran from exile with the support of young Muslim radicals who believed in, of course, Marxism and socialism. They established a fundamentalist Islamic government. Like cancer cells, the Islamic regime sought a host in which to attach itself and grow. Despite the revolutionaries being Iranian, Iran became the victim. Khomeini transformed Iran into a theocratic Islamic state. Khomeini called himself a guardian of the Kag, an Islamic jurist. He was considered as the infallible representative successor of God on earth. Any words against him would not be just a personal insult, but an act of war against the Islamic God, which was punishable by death. Well, from the very first day, Khomeini started suppressing his opposition. He imprisoned, tortured, and executed thousands of Iranians. He established his government based on Islamic, Islamic extremist Sharia law. 
looking to spread its disease, the Islamic Republic cancer, systematically began indoctrinating children in their schools with anti-Semitic hatred against Jews, Christians, and all other religious minorities. And, of course, they indoctrinated against America, the great Satan, forcing students to chant death to America and death to Israel every single day at school and in countless demonstrations across the country. Such mandatory demonstrations were to show the world that all Iranians support the Islamic regime and its revolutionary ideologies and to create fear internally to make resistance that much more difficult and dangerous. The Islamic regime cancer indoctrinated students in geography using a map of the world without Israel. They justified killing and elimination of Jews from the face of the earth sociologically by showing anti-Semitic programs throughout national TV and informal education in Iran's school. Israel, compared to America, was the little Satan. Like cancer cells, this was to inflict the whole body, Iran, with disease. Moreover, the Islamic Republic cancer started suppressing women's rights forcing them to stay at home, subjugated to men, their fathers, their brothers, their husbands. Using the Quran as justification, the misogynist regime acted violently to make sure no woman would or could dare to oppose them or violate their strict Islamic rules. They savagely suppressed and punished any woman who would break these rules, even for the most minor infraction. Based on Islam, they created a completely male-dominated society where women existed for the pleasure of men. By subjugating women, the regime empowered men, who, many who relished in their control over 50% of the population in order to win their loyalty. They forced women and young girls to wear a hijab from the age of seven, and they would arrest flog, or throw acid in the face of those who would break these rules. The Islamic regime forbade women to sing, dance, and even attend public events. Even little girls, much less grown women, were prevented from riding bicycles. They took away custody rights of mothers after divorce, which a woman could never initiate anyway. They took away all important jobs from women and instituted endless restrictions to prevent women from working to support themselves. The Islamic Republic cancer made women completely dependent on men, eliminating any power or opportunities for advancement for half of Iranian society. It's not enough just to subjugate women. The evil complement to this is that the regime brainwashed and encouraged men to kill their wives, daughters, and or sisters who would disobey strict Islamic rules. They call this an honor killing. Horrific. There is no capital punishment against men who commit an honor killing, and very little punishment, if any at all. Therefore, many men have savagely killed women, relatives, what really without facing any consequences. 
Men have no fear of beating and abusing women in their family since the court would never rule in favor of giving rights to women anyway. It's always a woman's fault if a man commits adultery or any other transgression that can be blamed on her. For instance, Marzea writes, After I became a Christian, I shared my faith with my brother. My brother consulted with a mullah to understand the difference between Islam and Christianity. When he mentioned that his sister was interested in Christianity, the mullah told him to kill his sister, and he, the mullah, will protect him from going to prison. If my brother had killed me, it would have been a way for the regime to silence me and threaten others without the unwanted and inconvenient negative international attention that my case eventually aroused, embarrassing the regime. So by creating a state of fear, even those families who were against the regime or men who did not believe that they had to control their women had to pretend to follow the Islamic rules in public because of undue scrutiny by regime spies are being the victim of personal rivalries or disagreements. A cancer needs blood supply to bring oxygen and nutrients to survive and grow. The bloodthirsty radical Islamic rulers of Iran have always relied on the blood of innocent civilians for their survival. They needed to create terror and shed the blood of innocent people to strengthen the foundation of their terrorist government. Since the beginning of the revolution 45 years ago, they have arrested, tortured, murdered, raped, and suppressed anyone who would oppose them and their authority. The bloodthirsty regime has executed countless people due to the charges of blasphemy, which include those who question or set anything against the Islamic regime and Ayatollah Khomeini and Moharabah, that's a term they use, a capital crime that means waging war against God. Acting as the personification of their God on earth, the regime generously used this charge to catch, as, catch all for anyone that they wanted to kill. For anyone perceived to be against the regime, are the supreme leader, this is the charge that's widely enforced and executed. Now, cancer cells metastasize by mutation, which interfere with the normal instructions in a cell and can cause the bad cells to grow out of control or even become resistant to dying with various treatments. Similarly, the Islamic regime's cancerous cells of terror and murdering innocent people became the blood and oxygen of the Ayatollahs and their radical supporters. In 1979, Khomeini established the IRGC, that is, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, not only to kill anyone who challenged or threatened the Islamic regime domestically, but also the cells of the Islamic Revolution internationally to export the disease, that is, Islamic ideology, countries. The regime started creating and training its terrorist proxies around the world and interfering in political matters of other countries in ways that are dangerous and unhealthy. Iran has become and remains the biggest state sponsor of terrorism, not just in the world today, but in the history of the world. 
The Islamic regime has created similar tumors in other Arab and Islamic countries, as well as spreading cells to the rest of the world in order to destroy anything that is not in its exact Islamic extremist mold, even targeting other Islamic countries. Since Khomeini, the strategy was to export the Islamic regime's fanatical teachings and ideologies. It cannot be overstated that anti-Semitism is more than just an evil byproduct of the regime. It is also another source of blood and oxygen for the regime. Since most of the Arab and Islamic world is predisposed already to hate Israel and the Jews, also based on the Quran and its call to slaughter the Jews, through preaching anti-Semitism, they found willing and even enthusiastic host entities to spread their vile hatred. Since Khomeini, the regime began training and exporting their agents cells of terror and cancerous disease, a double entendre, to other countries under the guise of humanitarian aid, business investments, and establishing Islamic institutions and association for teaching their Islamic ideologies. They sent domestic supporters to study in the best of universities and places of influence across the world, that is, to infiltrate the policies, media, and educational system of Western countries. They sent their supporters to other countries to produce more children, build more mosques, and infiltrate societies afraid of being labeled Islamophobic to dominate the West from within. From the beginning of its manifestation, the Islamic regime started the destruction in its host organ, and to infect neighboring countries exactly like a malignant cancer. Now, Marzia writes, I experienced and suffered this disease firsthand. In 2009, I was arrested and sentenced to death by hanging only because of my faith in Jesus and converting to Christianity. They called this apostasy. I was lucky. However, in prison, I witnessed torture and execution of my cellmates, including my best friend, Shirin Alam Huli. I witnessed physical and psychological torture, including rape of many women prisoners. I witnessed the torture of many who protested the fraudulent 2009 election. You mean like the one here in 2020? Yeah. My cellmates then during the Green Revolution, told me they witnessed pools full of corpses of protesters who were arrested and similarly murdered. They were not even given the opportunity to have a trial. Most Iranians have suffered untold ways since the beginning of the Islamic Republic cancer in 1979. Many have bravely resisted, including public protests, strikes, civil disobedience. Many sacrificed their lives to save the country, their children, and Persian culture and history. Many resisted at tremendous personal risk for themselves and their families. Over the years, due to the regime's brutal suppression, savage murder, and abuse of its own people, many Iranians started losing hope. They started to believe that there is no cure 
for this cancer. Offering a panacea, reformists started deceiving people for many years with a placebo. They began spreading lies and giving Iranians false hope that this cancer might be cured. Between the evil of the regime and false hope of reformists, Iranians have been deceived for decades. Reformists have played the role of deceiving the people, suggesting that a reform is the solution to this dangerous cancer. Reformists either do not understand or are offering deliberate deceit that the regime's evil nature cannot change, cannot be reformed, and cannot be negotiated with. Reformists, well, they simply became a kinder, gentler face, propping up the same evil regime. Well, finally, the reformists have infiltrated and taken control of media both inside and outside of Iran. They served like oxygen for the Islamic regime cancer to grow and to survive. They've infiltrated Western politics and policy through their lobbyists like NIAC, that is the National Iranian American Cancer, right here in Washington, which provides deliberately deceitful advice to Western politicians by wearing Western clothes and siding themselves with liberals. They were able to penetrate the media, educational institutions, and other pillars of Western and other societies. By controlling media outside Iran, they are able to squelch voices of ordinary Iranians who have truly been suffering for decades, preventing the truth about the regime from being dealt with. Most major Farsi media outside of Iran, they have been hijacked by reformists and their supporters. Trusting reformists like this would be like going to a plumber to cure brain cancer. After many years of deceit, Iranians understand the true face of reformists and their intentions. Therefore, they started rejecting the reformists as well as the hardliners. Iranians started fighting against the whole Islamic system Iranians understand the reformers outside and inside of Iran, like Nayak, that their placebo has never worked and has made the disease worse. Well, evolving as cancer cells do, smart reformists formed a new plan to deceive Iranians in the world. They infiltrated opposition groups and act as if they're anti-regime. They have also trained some reformers inside and outside of Iran to act as anti-regime activists, which basically deceives the world and creates division among opposition. The reformist is trying to take control of the opposition, spreading the cancer to new organs and continuing to deceive the people. They want to make sure after the fall of the regime, that is, one day, power stays in the hands of some people who are only wearing different masks. In 1979, the U.S. and the West were struck that the cancer was not a flu. Even after the Islamic regime took 63 American hostages for 444 days, the response was not serious. Most Democratic 
Western countries and human rights organizations ignored the crimes taking place in Iran and among its own people. They refused to hear the voice of millions of Iranians who were saying no to this evil regime. They believed that the Islamic regime could be reasoned with and that their rhetoric – well, that was an actual policy. They really turned a blind eye to the evidence. Over the decades, Western media infiltrated by reformists provided scarce coverage of the voices and cries of ordinary Iranians who have suffered so much. Instead, they gave platforms to the regime's supporters to spread disinformation about the nature of the regime. Well, for instance, Christiane Amanpour, CNN's British Iranian journalist, has always been first in line to give a voice to Islamic regime officials and ayatollahs everywhere she can get the opportunity. Marzia writes, after I came to America, friends who worked at CNN tried many times to get an interview for me to share my story and talk about religious and human rights violations in Iran. Later, we were told by CNN employees that many Iranians worked there, including a senior manager who refused to meet with me, much less interview me. It became clear how deeply the regime has infiltrated the media with its agents. It became clear that major media have became a platform for the killers, not the victims, much less truth and decency. Just more oxygen for the regime. Western politicians and international agencies like the UN also denied the true evil nature of the Islamic regime. Instead, they negotiated, appeased, and paid at ransom. Despite Western liberal values, they gave the gender apartheid regime an international platform to spread its lies, abuse women's rights, and mock human rights. They tried to rationalize the behavior of the cancerous regime worldwide rather than making them accountable for their crimes and keeping the world safe from them. Rather than treating of the source of the cancer and actually eliminating it, Western nations imposed sanctions, which they willingly violated for their own business interests, pretending that they are punishing the regime for its savage behavior. Of course, more gl most glaringly, the Obama administration thought it could restrain the regime through the foolish JOCPA and policies that empowered, not endangered, the regime's survival. Obama literally sent billions of dollars in cash funding the regime and ultimately betraying the Iranian people. The West's willful negligence has appeased the Islamic Republic cancer and enabled its growth and that of its proxies around the world. Rather than preventing a nuclear Iran, the regime has never been closer to a bomb, holding the world hostage to its evil intentions. One major goal of the regime is the annihilation of Israel and the Jews and establishing a global Islamic state for the return of the Mahdi, that is the 12th Imam. Western countries foolishly thought they could stop the growth of Iskander through negotiations, deals, and sanctions. The West has never been more at risk from the cancers spreading. 
Too many scholars, politicians, and other influentials have falsely spread misinformation about the regime's intent. They claim that the cancer can be treated to act like healthy cells, it's curable, and anyway is not really very dangerous. It is okay to let it function, they claim, guaranteeing to restrain the cancer's threats globally. Rather, the cancer has grown all over the world and has become a global threat. Well, what is the cure? The Islamic regime cancer now threatens the whole, or whole world. The Islamic regime has already established the foundation for its global Islamic state, has impacted the policies and elections in the United States and other Western countries by financially supporting candidates who will expand or appease their theology and turn a blind eye, if not actually directly supporting, creating an armor, armor, excuse me, an armor, an army of global jihadists through Iranian proxies. That's what we're dealing with right now with the Houthis. They, these present as smaller tumors in many countries, but are no less deadly. These have affected most Middle Eastern countries through destruction and terrorism. The Islamic Republic cancer controls and destabilizes the region through its proxies, such as Islamic Shiite groups in Iraq, the Taliban, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis, and, and even in South Africa. Western leaders have dealt with the proxies, the small tumors, with no less irresponsibilities. They foolishly think the best solution is to treat the small tumors without paying serious attention to the root and the source of the problem. They ignore the Islamic Republic cancer, which is the origin of the tumor. Many do so because they're naive. Many have their own personal and political and financial gain in this. The world mistakenly thinks that it, treating or even cutting out the small tumors will stop the growth of the cancer in other countries. Really? Recent events make it clear how mistaken they are. Hamas's October 7th attack on Israel was a horrific crime against humanity that showed the whole world the evil nature of radical Islam, supported by the Islamic regime in Iran, and how it cannot be negotiated with. However, the terrorists always know how to play as victims to deceive the world, just as cancer cells take over organs and then the whole body. Many in the West have blindly supported Hamas without having any knowledge of who they are. Even Palestinian civilians are suffering because of Hamas terrorists, but their voice will never be heard by the media because it goes against the narrative, folks. This is also the case as the Houthis in Yemen, Yemen, another of the regime's proxies. They threaten and they've hijacked international shipping. You hear this all the time in the news. The West's response has been anemic, not cutting out the tumor, not addressing the source of evil. And of course, you see the regime and their unspeakable sacrifices, the brutal murder of Masa Amini in 2022. Millions of Iranians since then are showing the world that they do not support this regime. They drew a clear line between themselves and the Islamic regime to show the world that Iranians have been hijacked 
by the terrorist regime. So you can see that as you read this article, and I wish I could read every bit of it, but I just run out of time here. You need to go to my Facebook page and to look carefully at this article and how this Iranian regime has infiltrated the world through proxies, through infiltrating the media, through the United Nations, and through special interest groups to, to make paint put on them a face that we're really not a freedom-hating country. It's total deception. And when you read Marzia's article, she is calling for the eradication of the cancer of this regime. And I believe the solution, and there are many pathways to this solution. We talk about being a voice for Iranians, signing a petition, cutting off financial supply to Iran, maybe taking out some of their, um, their oil refineries, stopping their financial exploitation. There are many ways, but ultimately, folks, the one way that we do it all is we turn to the Word of God. And in the words of Psalm 37, we are given counsel by God of how we can look to him ultimately to eradicate and overturn this cancer and bring freedom to suffering Iranians and bring peace to the Middle East. What do I mean? Psalm 37 is a beautiful response to this evil in the world. Through the psalmist David, God is encouraging us. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday song, still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. I think that that is the most important word of God that we can have this morning. And I want you to hear a song that exemplifies that right now by Brooke Lichterwood.
have a great, and again, I will see you again on Monday on the cross in the desert. God bless you. For me, it's all about controlling my schedule. Today it's soccer and school conferences. Oops, and a bake sale. That's why I like Pick a Due Date from Ameren. Choosing the date I pay my bill gives me the power to be me. Get started on our mobile app or learn more at ameren.com slash options.